0: Good morning. I'm Dwayne Arledge, Associate Pastor here at Fellowship of the Rockies. It's my pleasure to be speaking today. Pastor Charlie is up in the Denver area at the Edge Church, which is an Aurora Centennial area. It's a church that we helped to plant. We helped sponsor about seven or eight years ago when it was launching. And we've been connected with them, helping them in a lot of ways over the last several years Pastor Ryan Heller, the pastor of that church, uh, desperately needed a vacation and didn't have anyone to preach for him, and he called Pastor Charlie and said, help. So Pastor Charlie is preaching there today to continue our relationship with that church and to help them and give Pastor Ryan Heller a break. Pastor Charlie will be back next week. He'll begin a brand new series entitled Fruit of the Spirit, and he'll be preaching that for several weeks, going through the, the Bible topics of the fruit of the Spirit. So you'll want to be here for those. Today I have the privilege of sharing with you a message entitled Watch Me. Now I'm a bit of a slow learner. Some of you know me well and you already knew that. That's not news to you. But when when Summer, my wife and I go with our kids and grandkids to some location, whatever it is, vacationing or any kind of a trip we do, One of the requirements is wherever we stay has to have a pool. It's a must. If it doesn't have a pool, uh, granddaddy, that's me, and Obachan, that's summer. Uh, That's Japanese for grandma. Granddaddy's one of those arledge things that got passed down through the generations. Granddaddy and Obachan failed if there's not a pool that they could hit as soon as we check in, wherever we check in. So where I'm a slow learner is... I foolishly think I can take my iPad or a book or something like that and park my carcass in one of those big, comfy lounge things beside the pool while they entertain themselves in the pool, right? It was just too long ago since I had two boys, so somehow I forgot that. Periodically, when we go somewhere, I still forget and think, well, I'll just do this while they get in the pool. No, here's how it goes down. Even if I'm trying to sit in that, that lounge chair. It goes like this. Granddaddy, watch this. Granddad oh, watch watch me, watch me. Granddaddy, watch this. Granddaddy, did you see that? And so finally I just give up and set aside whatever I think or thought I was going to do. And you just got to jump in the pool. Let them climb on your shoulders and your head and dive off of your head and shoulders and basically abuse you and wear you out so that when... You go back. They don't take a nap. You take a nap, you know, after after all of that. But the day is consumed from morning to night with, watch me, watch me, watch me, watch me. And the thing of it is, they're not only saying, watch me, they're watching you too, aren't they? I learned that before, like I said, I'm a slow learner, so I have to keep relearning things. But before Summer and I had children ourselves, in, in our 20s, we moved from northern Missouri to New Orleans to go to seminary, for me to go to seminary. And we became friends in the church I was working in. We became friends with a couple in the church. And their four-year-old son, Ross, thought I was the most amazing person in the world. He wanted to model his whole life after me. He, later, he grew up and realized you know, he <laughs> needed to set his sights a little higher. But for four years old, we'd been over to their house for dinner. And, and Cynthia told us later in the week that they were having dinner. And Ross, four years old, you know, the parents are always still saying, use both hands because they're just starting to use an open-top, you know, drinking glass, okay? With well, not the sippy cup things. And so you insist that they use two hands. And so Ross is picking up his cup, drinking like this. And they said he would hold his hand like this. And as he came up, he would stick his pinky up in the air to take a drink. And they said, Ross, use both hands. Now, we're in the South, remember. And so when Summer and I moved from North Missouri to New Orleans with a lot of Mississippi transplants to the oil fields on the West Bank of, of New Orleans, uh, we went from being Dwayne in Summer to Mr. Duane and Miss Summer. And so Ross's answer for them was, Mr. Duane doesn't do that. And they go, What? And Mr. Duane does it like this, and he grabs the glass, and he takes a drink. So the next, next time we were at dinner together, they hadn't told us anything about it yet. That's when we got the story, but they were waiting and watching, and I picked up my glass. I, I had no idea I did that. You know, I just grabbed the glass, and for some reason, I grabbed it low enough that I don't need my pinky finger to support it, I guess. It was not a conscious thing, but the whole family was watching. And I picked up my glass, took a drink, and they all went, he does that. <laughs> I said, does what? And so they told me the story about Ross watching and imitating me. Listen, that, that happens. People watch us. We watch people. But somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way from that childhood where we're saying, Mom, Dad, watch me, Granddaddy, gra-, you know, whoever, watch me, watch me, watch me. Those of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, here's what I've discovered, being a pastor over 40 years. Somewhere we buy into a lie. And the lie says this, we have to stop telling people to watch us because somewhere along the way, we're going to mess up. We're going to sin. We're going to do something that's wrong. We're going to actually hurt someone else. And we don't want anyone watching when we mess up. So we only give our highlight reels to other people, and the the parts that we edit out and cut out, we want to leave those in in the back room somewhere, and so we stop saying, watch me, hey, watch me, hey, watch me, or hey, watch me while God does something in my life. Watch me while God does something through my life, and we buy into that lie from Satan, that Christianity is a very personal thing and we don't share it with other people. That is a lie. It's not in Scripture. It's just not there at all. Do you remember someone who said to you, maybe, maybe in your job, maybe in a, a hobby, maybe in a sport, you were, you were struggling with something and they would say, Hit, wa- watch me. And they would just show you how to do it. And then you could walk over and do the same thing. They gave you a great gift. They saved you a great deal of time, effort, energy, and pain. But we choose to not follow that model in the Christian life. There was a man in the scripture. His name was Paul, the apostle Paul. He was bold enough, he was courageous enough to say to people, "Watch me. Not when he was teaching them to play golf, not when he was teaching them, you know, how to hit a baseball, or not when he was teaching them some job skill, but in following Jesus Christ. He said, hey, you should watch me. Today, I want us to read from the book of 1 Thessalonians in chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, your devices, whatever, if you're using YouVersion on our app, if you'll turn to the Scripture 1 Thessalonians in the New Testament. This is named Thessalonians because he was writing to a church, a group of Christians, believers in Jesus Christ, who lived in the city of Thessalonica. And so, I want to read just a couple of paragraphs out of this letter he wrote to them to illustrate a lesson that I saw as I was reading this a few months ago. God really spoke to me about my own life and about our church and how we impact people in the city of Pueblo around us. So the Apostle Paul is our model, is our example here. And we're going to learn from him today. In verse 4 is where we'll begin. So he says, for we know brothers and sisters, he's including all of them, loved by God. That's, that's who he's, he's talking to them. You're the people who are loved by God. That he, God, has chosen you. Because our gospel, the gospel Paul preached to them, came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit with full conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. That's a risky statement, isn't it? When we say to anyone, hey, you know what my life is like. He says in verse 6 going on, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word, the teaching he gave, in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. There was a lot of struggle with the gospel being spread. But the power of the Holy Spirit and the joy of the Holy Spirit was with them. Verse 7, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Just, just think, the nation of Greece, okay? Verse 8, for not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia. But your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. You're getting the picture? Their example after they imitated Paul is being heard about in all those places. And when Paul goes to preach, he's hearing people talk about what happened in the Thessalonian church. You got, got the picture now? Verse 9, For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Now, Paul understood the power of allowing people to watch his life. In fact, he even asked them to watch him at one point that we'll look at in a moment. But he knew it was God's way to multiply disciples, multiply followers of Jesus Christ because God's plan is not addition. God's plan is multiplication. Addition is not fast enough or aggressive enough for God because he has a plan to revolutionize people's lives. And he knows if we'll follow his plan that we'll actually accomplish multiplication and not the slow one plus one plus one addition kind of thing. Now, I've realized over 40 years of being a pastor that there are not many true pioneers in the Christian faith, only a few. See, I've I've observed that most people need or want, maybe not need, but want a believable model. Who did this? Did someone try this and it worked? And so we're a little bit skeptical sometimes, and maybe a little cynical, maybe not having enough faith that God's Word is enough. And so there are a few pioneers, just like Paul in verse 5. He says, you know what kind of men we proved to be among you. He was the pioneer, he and the team he had with him. They were the pioneers. They came, they just did it because God said to do it. And then in verse 6 he says, you became imitators of us and of the Lord. They followed Paul and the people who were with him. They followed Paul as he followed the Lord. Now, I know probably every person in this room wants to see more people in Pueblo, the surrounding area, Colorado, United States, and the whole world come to know Jesus, right? That's what we desire. And so, I think if we really want to see that happen, then we ought to sit up and take notice maybe even take notes on what God says about some simple steps, the Bible's prescription or God's prescription for helping that to happen at a faster rate. You see, people cannot possibly come to know Jesus too fast for God to keep up with it. He he can keep up with it. If everybody in the world this moment fell on their knees and said, Oh God. I need you to forgive me. I want the price your son paid on the cross to pay for my sins. I want to be your child. God could handle everyone on the face of the earth right now doing that. So we don't have to worry that God will be overwhelmed, that the circles will all be too busy, that he doesn't have enough bandwidth to handle that. He has enough bandwidth to handle it. So let's find out the Bible prescription and then let's get about doing it, okay? So I want to use a formula today that I've used before. I stole it from a reliable source, Pastor Charlie Jones. Several years ago, he preached a sermon, and and in it he said, that's our part. Now let's find God's part. And it became so crystal clear to me. I get confused. Sometimes I think I have to do something that actually is God's part. And that's a mess always when I try that. It never works. And then there are other times that I think, um, in a lazy fashion, I think, well, maybe I don't even need to do that. I'll just sit in my recliner, and God will do it all. But there are so many things where God clearly says in Scripture, here's what I want you to do. If you do that, I'll do this. That's what we're going to find today. So first, if, if I want people to know Jesus and to have the courage to take spiritual next steps, then... I need to understand my part. So let's look in this Scripture here, and let's find our part. Oh, by the way, every time I say my part, you put your name in it. Do not sit out there today, please, and go, oh, well, that's what Dwayne's supposed to do, so I'm going to watch and see how he does at that. No, no, I'm expending this energy and the time and these rapid-fire speech in order for you to put your name in the blank and not my name in the blank. You don't have to worry about me. I'm the one who answers to God for me just like you answer to God for you. Is that a deal? Your name goes in the blank when I say I every time. So my part is this. First, three, three things. First one is to be willing to have others follow me. The big word here is willing. Being willing is a big deal. See, remember, most of us are trying to avoid being watched in our Christian life. When it comes to that walk with Jesus Christ the, the first step of us having the courage is to actually say, okay, God, I'm going to quit hiding out. I'm willing to do this. That's our first step. And we, we have a guarantee. Philippians 1.6, the Apostle Paul, guided by God's Holy Spirit, said this to us. And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, so God began the good work in you, When you gave your life to Him, if you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He already began that good work. That same God will continue His work until it is finally finished on the day when Jesus Christ returns. He began that work in me. He began that work in you if you're His child. And I'm convinced He will finish it. And I'm saying to you, along with our other pastors, you can watch us, not because we're perfect but because we believe that verse of Scripture. He began a work in us, and He's going to complete it. We're willing for you to watch us. So the question I have is, for you, are you willing to open your life to someone, to another person? And, and I'm asking God, and I've been asking God for a few weeks now, that all the time I'm, I'm talking here, that the Holy Spirit will be putting a name or several names in your mind. Are you ready... And willing to open your life and say, watch me. See what God can do with me. As simple as I am, God can use me. Oh, I'll make mistakes. But I also want you to watch how God forgives and restores me and puts me back on track and continues to work in my life and use me. Watch me. Are you willing to do that? I have another promise for you if you are. It's out of the book of Ephesians, verse 20. It says this, Now, to Him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Now, let's stop there for a moment. He didn't say, now to God, who is able to do more than you can think. He, he, he didn't choose, and by the direction of the Holy Spirit, He used three superlatives here. He says, now to Him, God, who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above or beyond all that we could ask or think according to the power that works in us. I'm going to stop mid-sentence because Paul's sentences get really long. He says, if we're willing, that's what God promises, exceedingly, abundantly, above. Now, my part, not only to be willing, but then to take a next step after my willingness, after I commit to God I'm willing, then I need to invite others to follow me. Now that may not look like me walking over to somebody and saying, "Hey, would you follow me and learn how to follow Jesus?" Now the Apostle Paul came to that place with these people after he had known them for many years. It may look more like this: "Hey, how about a round of golf sometime? How about uh, whatever? You fill in the blank. How about lunch? Hey, how about us? Let's catch coffee. Hey, let's do breakfast sometime." And then at that. At that time, say, hey, is this something you'd like to do more regularly? Hey, every couple weeks, let's have breakfast together before we go to work. Those kinds of things. It may start as simple as that. And then the conversation can open up to the place where you can talk about the spiritual things. And rather quickly, that can open up. It doesn't have to be 12 years later. Okay. We don't have to be as slow as we, we are dragging our feet. We can be as quick as God opens the door for us to talk about those spiritual things and say, hey, you know, I've known Jesus for, you fill in the blank, ever how long, and um, I don't know everything, but man, I I would like for you to either know this Jesus that I know, or as you walk with Jesus, let's stumble forward together, okay? And it could look like that. Now, Paul, in a second letter he wrote to the Thessalonian church, said this to them. In verse chapter 3, verse 7, he says, For you know that you ought to imitate us. Wow, that's bold, isn't it? But they'd known him for a long time. He had lived an example before them. And so, will, will we be willing to let God bring us to the point where we say to others, Hey, you ought to watch me. You ought to come along with me as I will follow Jesus. I was reading an article about discipleship a couple of weeks ago. The author said this, every step someone takes gives them the courage to take a next step. And I thought, I believe the opposite of that is true. Every time someone chooses to not take a next step in following Jesus, whether it's out of fear or whether they're waiting for someone to model that for them or whatever their reason is or excuse, I believe it adds to a building mountain of discouragement where they begin to believe they can't really follow God. That's just for those super Christians that must be different than they are. Now, some of you may be in that that category. You may think, you know, I wish I could really follow Jesus uh, like this person or that person, but man, yeah, that'll probably never happen for me. So, I believe if we're inviting people to walk with us and follow us, then God will give them examples. The third thing that's my part, and your part. I need to care about them, that is the people I'm saying, watch me, follow me, walk with me as I follow the Lord. I need to care about them more than I care about myself. Truly, truly care for them. See, I cannot treat them as projects to build my ego. If if I'm asking, hey, follow me, I'll show you how it's done. Uh, It's not that. And we're not earning points with God. He doesn't keep those kind of points. We love people and care about people because God loves them and God cares about them. uh, An example here in this passage is from the Apostle Paul. Now, we tend to put Paul in this position of being a super apostle, He's an amazing Christian, and nobody could ever be like that. You know, the likes of there's which there's never been and ever will be. But that's not who the Apostle Paul was. He was a real guy who had real relationships with real people. And we're going to see here in a moment he really cared about them. Verses 7 and 8. Now, th- this whole passage uh, the, in, in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, which is right after what I just read, he continues the letter. There's a, the whole passage here of what it happened between them when he was among them. But verses 7 and 8 really sum it up. He says, "As apostles of Christ, we certainly had a right to make some demands of you. In other words, we could have demanded this or demanded that because we're apostles of Jesus Christ." But instead, we were like children among you. He immediately moved his position from an apostle over them to a child among them, the least of them. And he says, or we were like a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's good news, that's the message of the gospel, but our lives also. He loved them. He cared for them. He invited them to follow him. He followed Jesus. That was his part. That's your part. That's my part. To so be willing To invite people and to care about them more than we care about ourselves. The best illustration I can think of for this is my dad and my mom. Now, I'm going to say they were willing because they had me as a child. after the first two kids, there were six kids in our family. After the first two, it was like five years, five years, six years. We, we accused them of every five or six years having one of those oops moments until they had six kids. But I'm going to choose to believe that they were willing, okay? But they invited me to watch their lives, not just because I lived in their house, they invited me because they chose not to live their lives in such a way that, oh, my Christianity is personal and it's just between me and God and we don't talk about that. It was a part of every conversation in our family. It was a part of the conversation when and growing up on the, on the old rock farm we had that, we, that my dad bought that had tumble down fences and tumble down everything on it. It was a part of every conversation when we were out fixing fence when we were rebuilding a barn, whatever we were doing on that old place, it was a part of our conversation. Christianity had something to do with everything we did and the hard work. I watched them read God's Word. Whenever they could get time, they would sit over in their chairs and just devour the Bible. I watched and learned about praying when my brother was in Vietnam. and and he was a crew chief on a recon helicopter, and they were scared every hour of every day that he would never come home. I listened and watched as they prayed for Gary. I listened and watched as they prayed for the salvation of many people in our family who didn't know Jesus. I watched and I learned because they opened their lives in a way that was real and transparent. They were the same people at home as they were out in public or at church. And I learned much. I watched and I learned from them. They were willing. And they cared for me more than they cared for themselves. Now let's look quickly at God's part. Not quickly because it's unimportant, but quickly because we don't have to do that part. Okay? So first, on God's part, I need to understand the Holy Spirit will do the hard work. In in verse 5, the Apostle Paul says this. Because our gospel came to you not only in word. In other words, he preached it. He said, here's here's the truth. And then he says, but it also came in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. That means assurance. Here's the picture. He spoke the words. The Holy Spirit came in. And he did all the work to convince and convict every one of those people that that's the truth. And you need Jesus. See, it's not my job. It's not your job to change people. If I change them, if you change them, they will be a mess. But if God changes them, He can do the heavy lifting. The second thing that's God's part is this. If He comes and does that work, that person will be forever changed. Now, I can, you and I can maybe help someone change a habit or whatever for a time. But we cannot bring lasting spiritual change in someone's life. He can. God can transform them forever. Look, look at verse 7 and verse 9. Paul says, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. Not just the short term, but over the long haul, they had followed Jesus to the point that people were really taking notice that this thing is lasting. This is a, a transformation. Verse 9. He says, for they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you. He's going to preach, and they're saying, hey, we've heard about you uh, in Thessalonica, how they received you, and you preached the message, and they came to Christ, and their lives were changed. He says, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. Their hearts were turned to God. Here's the, here's the last thing that God's part. My example will be Multiplied. Now, here's where the multiplication comes in. And for me, this is the exciting part because when I leave this earth and go to be with the Lord Jesus Christ, I think the most exciting thing about leaving this life and immediately being in eternity, and, and I'm imagining being able to look back. I don't know if that's the case. But I'm imagining being able to look back and have God show me all the people who came to know Jesus Because I told one person, and they accepted Jesus. And they told someone else who told someone else, and and it just multiplied, multiplied, multiplied. I cannot wait for the possibility of getting to see all of that, all the people all over the world who came to Jesus because of one person who told another person. He says this, Paul says this in verse 8. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. Here's what he's saying. Everywhere I go, I'll start to talk about Jesus, and these people are saying, oh, in this whole region, they're saying, oh, we've heard about this because the Thess- the people in Thessalonica. Paul was saying, I don't even have to talk about it. They're already hearing about it because of your example. In the next service, there's a lady who's going to be baptized. And here's how the story goes. She had a friend who's been in our church for years. Uh, We baptized. In fact, I had the privilege of baptizing this friend we're talking about, a lady in our church, who was saved at a rodeo cowboy service on a Sunday morning at the rodeo years ago. And when she accepted Jesus Christ, her life did a turnaround. Jesus did the turnaround in her life. He transformed her life. This lady, whose other lady who's going to be baptized this morning, went to that lady's sister and says, Hey, there's something different about this lady. Now you're dying to know who this other lady is, aren't you? Talca Woods. In our church. She wasn't doing anything spectacular. Here's what she was doing. She was just living her life. And guess what? She didn't even know she invited this lady to watch her. Because when I was talking to her, she said, I didn't even know she was watching me. You know how she invited her to watch her? They were good friends. She did life with her and around her and in front of her. But this lady went to Talca's sister and says, hey, there's something different about Talca. Do you know what it is? Do you know what happened? Tila was able to say to her, here's what happened. Jesus Christ changed her life. And so this other lady, over time, has come to know Jesus this very morning in the 1030 service is going to be baptized. Now listen, people watch why not invite them to come along on a journey and just open our lives so they can see what God can do with somebody who's as common and everyday as you and me. We're not special, but Jesus Christ loves us more than we could ever imagine, and we'll let God's Holy Spirit do the heavy lifting, and we'll be willing, we'll invite them, and we'll care about them more than we care about ourselves God will do some amazing things. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes, please? I have a very specific request today. This week, or in the next two weeks, would you be willing, first of all, today, to ask God to give you the name of the person He wants you to be intentional with about opening up your life? Now, I know this. God's Holy Spirit's already been doing the heavy lifting while I'm talking. And probably many of you already have a name or several names that God has brought to your mind. Will you commit today to following through and ask them, hey, how about lunch? How about breakfast? Let's grab coffee. Let's play a round of golf. And then be very intentional about talking about your faith in Jesus Christ. You see, some of the people that God brought to your mind may not even be a believer in Jesus Christ yet. Oh, they may believe he exists, but they haven't received him as their Lord and Savior. And they need to see somebody who's real walk with Jesus so they'll believe it and they'll give their life to Christ. Maybe it's a person who's struggling to obey Jesus it just seems to be stuck. And you're, you asking them can make the difference in them taking next steps and next steps and next steps. See, we don't have to make a super Christian. All we have to do is help them have the courage to take a next step. God will do the rest of the work. Because when they take that next step, they'll have the courage to take the next one after that. Will you trust God to do things you never thought possible? in other people's lives.